Here we go. You are listening to Law and Gospel on this June the 17th in the year of our Lord, 2022. I'm Pastor Tom Baker, and this is Email Friday. One of the emails we receive is questions about the distinctions between law and gospel. And we can understand that this being, of course, a program called Law and Gospel. And here is a question. Every time I hear the law, am I under the law? Let me ask you these questions. Tell me whether they are law or gospel. When you sin, you will be punished. Jesus Christ died on the cross for you. And the third statement is, thou shalt not kill. Now, which of those are law and which of those are gospel? The problem is, is the first and the third sound like law. And the middle is gospel. Uh, the middle is correct. Namely, Jesus Christ died on the cross for your sins. But if a pastor is talking in a sermon and giving you information about what God's will is, is that because you are living under the law, you receive that? No, let's make a distinction. And the Lutheran confessions make a wonderful distinction between the three uses of the law. The first use is to maintain external discipline against unruly and disobedient people. So that is the government's use of the law to maintain external discipline. How do they do that? By threatening them with punishment, either fines, for example, going over the speed limit, or prison, for example, in robbing a bank. So the first use of the law is really for disobedient people. The second use of the law is to lead men to a knowledge of their sin. Now that's really important. And there are many, many passages in the Bible that do that. When we talk about leading men to a knowledge of their sin, we're talking about that there is both not only information as to what to do, but a threat of punishment if a man does not do them. In other words, the chief function or power of the law is to make original sin manifest and show man 
to what utter depths his nature has fallen and how corrupt he has become. So there should be a lot of law preaching and teaching in today's society because men have a, well, they have a wrong understanding of what is the will of God. They no longer follow the law to know what the will of God is. They follow instead what they believe to be the will of God. Now, this leads us to the third very important decision concerning the law. And that is, after a person is reborn, and even though the flesh still inheres in them, to give them on that account a definite rule according to which they should pattern and regulate their entire life. That's called the third use of the law. And that's very important to understand. Because when you understand the third use of the law, it's not the second use where, boy, you do this, you're going to be in trouble. The second use is very important to help us realize that we are doing what is wrong in God's eyes. But much of the scripture is intended for the instruction of Christians who have been born incorporated into God's people through the promise connected with well, their baptism. It is not intended for the unregenerate and therefore does not presuppose that readers are unbelievers who need to be driven to repentance by the condemnation of their sins. It speaks to the baptized people of God who have been brought into God's kingdom and regenerated through the sacraments, who have been brought to repentance and faith and are heirs of the promises of God. Now, however, human nature has fallen. And even in the regenerate people of God, sin persists in this life. So the law will always remind us of our sin and drive us to daily repentance. Daily we need to die to sin and rise to new life in Christ Jesus. Let, let me give you a maybe common example to understand what we're trying to say here. When you have children, you know, one of the ways of instructing them is to indicate to them, here's the punishment you will receive 
if you do not obey your parents. Uh, for example, you may say to them, we're going to eat at five o'clock each day, so make sure that you're home from school by five o'clock, or you will be late for dinner and may not have something to eat. Now, that is accusation against any child who decides to, let's, for example, play baseball longer than 5 o'clock, get home at 5.30 or 6 o'clock. The problem is he knows he has done wrong because he has a punishment, maybe not able to eat, maybe not able to watch TV, whatever the parents say. Now, take this in contrast. Your child is going to school and they wonder what time they should be home. And you tell them, be home at five o'clock for a free dinner. Now, is that law or gospel? Well, it's law in the sense of command, but it's not law in the sense of accusation and punishment. Because a child may really enjoy dinner, and he also may really love his parents. So the third use of the law is given to children who really love their parents and have a positive relationship with them. And therefore, you hear promises like the righteous people will sprout like foliage. Or in the path of righteousness, there is life. You see, that's a law statement because it's telling to be righteous, but it isn't giving a punishment for not being righteous because it assumes you're going to be righteous. One of the great problems in the early church, well, I should say at the time of the Reformation, was this concept called the third use of the law. And there was some real problems with understanding it. There were two points of view at that time. The one point was that believers do not learn God's will of obedience, that is, in what good works they ought to walk, from the law. These people argue that this teaching about good works is not to be encouraged by using the law. They say that the regenerate had made, been made free by God's Son 
have become the temple of his spirit and therefore do freely of themselves what they think God requires of them. This is a real problem today in the United States because a lot of people are following their own will. As was mentioned in yesterday's law and gospel, they have their own God and they're not interested in what God says by the law. They do what they freely think. And they tell us that they are acting by the prompting and impulse of the Holy Spirit. Just as the sun by itself, without any foreign impulse, completes its ordinary course in the sky. And so, if you're a member of the church, outwardly, then you can do whatever you desire because the law is no longer a means to learn about God's will. When you learn about God's will, and that can be done in sermons, that's really the third use of the law not necessarily the second use. So against this view that you can make up your own laws by the power of the Holy Spirit within you, the Lutherans believed that yes, you are truly moved by God's Spirit, but according to the inner man, when they do God's will from a free spirit, the Holy Spirit uses the written law for instruction with them. The confessions say, by this, the truly believing also learn to serve God not according to their own thoughts, but according to his written law and word. This is a sure rule and standard of a godly life and walk in the Lord. The law shows how to order a life in accordance with God's eternal and unchangeable will. And when you hear that law, it's not necessarily the second use of the law, but it's the third use of the law, giving you information as to what God's will is. Now, if you are not a believer, then it will not help you because when you hear God's law as an unbeliever, you recognize that you have fallen short all the time. But it doesn't bother you because you don't think you have to listen to the will of God. I've used this example before, that as a child, 
you really are forced by the law to obey your parents. You'll come home at a certain time, go to bed at a certain time, what television shows you can watch, etc. Because behind them, you know there will be a punishment if you disobey God's law. But as you grow older and you really get to love your parents, then when you hear what they would like you to do, you do so with joy and freely want to obey them because of your relationship with them is now one of great love. This is how Christianity works. A lot of people think, boy, I don't have to obey the law to be saved. And that is correct. You never get saved by obeying the law. But you do obey the law in order to be thankful to the Lord Jesus Christ for all that he has done for you. But notice that thankfulness comes about through faith, which the Holy Spirit gives you. So you need to be real careful when you read something that says law. If it's second use of the law, then you need to remember that believers are not renewed in this life perfectly or completely. Their sin is covered by Christ's perfect obedience, and that's why it's not charged against believers. Nevertheless, the old Adam still clings to us in our nature and all its inward and outward powers. So the law can be a mirror in which God's will and what pleases him are constantly portrayed. This mirror should be held up to the believers and be diligently encouraged without ceasing. Now, the Apostle Paul has written about this in Romans 7. For I know that nothing good dwells in me that is in my flesh. I do not understand my own actions, for I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing I hate. But I see in my members another law waging war against the law of my mind and making me captive to the law of sin that dwells in my members. In Galatians 5.17, he writes, For the desires of the flesh are against the spirit, and the desires of the spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. Now, because of our fleshly desires, God's truly believing, elect, and regenerate children need the daily instruction 
and admonition, warning, and threatening of the law in this life. And they also need frequent punishments so that they will be aroused, the old man driven out of them, and they will desire to follow God's spirit. As it is written in, for example, Psalm 119, it is good for me that I was afflicted that I might learn your statutes. Learning the statutes is the third use of the law. It's information to you about what God desires you to do. And then you got 1 Corinthians 9.27. But I discipline my body and keep it under control, lest after preaching to others, I myself should be disqualified. So what is he preaching to others? He's preaching the third use of the law. And what is that third use? A desire to love your neighbor, to do good to them, to put them ahead of your desires. Therefore, that's really important. As often as believers stumbled, they are therefore rebuked by the Holy Spirit from the law. But then the same Spirit raises them up and comforts them again with the preaching of the gospel. For as long as a person is not regenerate, and guides himself according to the law. He's doing the works because they are commanded. So from fear of punishment or desire for reward, and that's always the motivation of the unregenerate, we can therefore say he is under the law. In fact, Paul properly refers to his works as works of the law in Romans 3.20. For they are extorted by the law like the works of slaves. They are the saints after the order of Cain. However, when a person is born anew by God's Spirit, He's liberated from the law, freed from this driver, and instead led by Christ's Spirit, he lives according to God's unchangeable will revealed in the law. He does that spontaneously. How many people get up on a Sunday morning to go to church who are believers and say, oh, I must go to church today either because if I don't, God's going to punish me, and if I do, I'm going to get all kinds of blessings. See, that's a person living under the law. No. We get up on a Sunday morning and spontaneously want to go to church because of our love for Jesus Christ. And, and therefore, 
one can say that when we do such a work, they're not properly called works of the law. But in Galatians 5.22, they're referred to as fruit of the Spirit. Paul names them the law of the mind in Romans 7.23 and the law of Christ in 1 Corinthians 9.21. For such believing people, when they spontaneously follow the law, because of their love for Jesus Christ, you cannot say they are under the law, but they are under grace. As St. Paul says in Romans 8, verse 2, but the law in their members continued to struggle against the law in their mind. Nevertheless, they are not under the law, Romans 6.14, but they are in the law. They live and walk in the law of the Lord, and yet they're doing nothing according to the law because of force. This is a real big distinction between law and gospel. So when you hear what appears to be law, you need to decide whether it's the first, second, or third use of the law. And if it's the third use of the law, which is simply instruction for the regenerate who love to follow it because of their faith in Jesus Christ, they are not under the law, they are in the law. In this way, Christians are under grace. We'll see this in future editions of Law and Gospel, including this coming Monday, when we look at a text from Holy Scripture to see the distinction properly between law and gospel. I'm Tom Baker. Join us. God bless you. Listen to Law & Gospel each weekday morning at 9.30 on KFUO. For a tax-deductible gift to Law & Gospel, please make your checkout to Law & Gospel and mail to Law & Gospel P.O. Box 28910, St. Louis, Missouri, 63132, or call toll-free 1-877-267-1962. Views and opinions expressed on Worldwide KFUO may not represent the official position of the management or ownership of KFUO, the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. If you'd like to comment on programs or topics heard on Worldwide KFUO, write us at KFUO, 1333 South Kirkwood Road, St. Louis, Missouri, 63122. You can also leave a question or comment on our comment line at 314-996-1542. We are the messenger of good news, Worldwide KFUO.